Good morning. Happy December 2nd. I wanted to read some excerpts from a book that I'm reading right now. It's called God's Red Sun. And this book is all about the ghost dance religion that occurred in the late 1800s. And it's what uh, led to the Wounded Knee Massacre. So I became really interested in this subject because Ephraim was doing a history day project on it in seventh grade. So that's two years ago. Now I bought this book at the time because it became, I became super fascinated and then I didn't really read it. And I just started reading it again recently. Um, but it's a really somber subject because it does occur, um, as a kind of really sad marker in native American history. And, also, the reasons for the massacre are so ridiculous and hard to believe and just shameful and idiotic and mind-blowing. Um, but it's so fascinating, uh, uh, all the details about this religion. And a book so far is a lot about, I think I'm about a quarter of the way through, it's about the prophet that began or um, kind of the major figure in spreading this gospel. His name was Wovoka. He was a Paiute Native American. He lived in Nevada, and he was revered and respected by um, Natives and whites alike. And they he grew up in a community that was beginning to be really displaced by um, the silver rush in Nevada. So like a generation before they were still living a really traditional lifestyle. And it's so cool um, reading all the different um, ways they made a living or gathered their food throughout the year in this harsh desert. Um, but by the time he is growing up, the settlers have arrived and they're have arrived in mass to mine this silver load that they've found, which is a huge load. And, um, they've completely changed the way that, um, the local native Americans can use the land and really change their way of life and, um, kind of force them to, work in a more Western style, like go to the city, um, get paid wages. It's really a sad story, but interestingly enough, part of their religion, um, that was given to this man in many, many visions was that they needed to try to get along with the white man and that they did not, um, they should not go to war with them or fight them, but just do their best to to make a living and to be industrious and to do um, <clears throat> things that would help them to succeed in their new world, which I find super fascinating. But I'm going to read a little bit about the massacre. It's the first couple pages of the book. It's really sad, but it's part of the story. The bodies were frozen and covered in snow. In places they clustered together, but some of the Indians from the Miniconjo and Hunkpakpa tribes of the Lakota or Western Sioux had scattered across miles of prairie before being cut down by soldiers. 
The men of the burial party, led by a civilian, a Lakota white mixed blood named Patty Starr, searched out their corpses in earnest, some we may assume because it was a somber task, and others because, for every Indian, they put in the grave they received two dollars. The more they recovered, the bigger the payout. Starr's grave diggers turned up most of the dead in the ravine of Wounded Knee Creek, where the village had camped alongside the U.S. 7th Cavalry the night before. There, at the site of the council, where they had been ordered to appear before the commanding officer, Colonel James Forsyth, 80 Lakota men had died after handing over their weapons to the soldiers, who then killed them. Others had run far in a desperate bid to escape, but the soldiers showed no mercy. Boys and girls, women and men, lay in heaps for hundreds of yards up the ravine. A woman and three children had been shot to death a full three miles from the bloodbath at the council circle. Occasionally a shout went up when a survivor was discovered, and these were left in the care of Indians who had come along or lived nearby. Into the wagons the grave diggers loaded the corpses, all that remained of 146 women and men, old and young, including many children. Then, steering the wagons to the top of a nearby knoll, they lowered the bodies into a long trench. And in the book, there's a horrible picture. Um, there were reporters at the scene that took pictures of this trench. There's a row of U.S. soldiers um, with guns, and they're looking down into a trench, and it is filled with bodies. It's really horrible and sad. The victims had been part of a village that took up the ghost dance, a new religion that swept dozens of reservations with remarkable speed in the brief period of 1889 to 1890, promising Indians redemption from the agonies of American conquest on a newly restored earth teeming with buffalo and horses. It drew believers into dance circles where some fell into unconscious trance visions in which they encountered their deceased kin, and sometimes the creator himself. Even at its peak, only a minority of Indians were believers. Among Lakotas, for example, it was estimated that at most one in three joined the ghost dance circle. Initially, the public remained indifferent, but growing alarm in the press and among officials about a potential Indian quote-unquote outbreak eventually inflamed opinion. Um, so I'll just do a little side note, super interesting. So like, um, I learned this while Ephraim was doing his project. Everything got really inflamed in the papers. Everyone was getting super nervous that Native Americans were gathering together and doing dances. Oh my gosh. They were worried that they were, um, it was fomenting this kind of political resistance, but it really, it was a religion a messianic religion they were getting it was spreading because it was such a hopeful message and um interestingly enough it people got super nervous they sent the cavalry out they massacred these people and then they took pictures and the pictures were so sad that as soon as they came out in the papers public opinion went completely the opposite way it's been a massacre, which rightly it was a massacre. Um, the army has done something incredibly unjust, but it's fascinating because it was public pressure that brought the army out to that area that um, caused this massacre. And then as soon as they were like, oh, whoopsie, 
<laughs> Look what we did. Ah, so infuriating. Anyway, <clears throat> last sentence in this part. Late in 1890, the U.S. Army arrived among the Western Sioux to suppress the religion on the orders of President Benjamin Harrison. Good job, Ben Harrison. At Wounded Knee Creek on the morning of December 29, the army veered into massacre. So, horrifying. Just awful stuff. So, I'll tell you a little bit about the teachings of the ghost dance. It says, according to ghost dance teachings, the Messiah, at times called Christ, and sometimes even Jesus, would arrive to save the faithful and transport them to an earth renewed. And Indians could hasten the event by dancing and right living. Some believers, famously, but not exclusively among the Lakota Sioux, donned ghost shirts, muslin garments that were painted with dragonflies, eagles, and other symbols seen in visions, and that some alleged to be bulletproof. These believers, and many more besides, were often seized with millennial excitement and their spectacular, ecstatic behavior preoccupied not only contemporary observers, but generations of writers who have focused on the dancing at the expense of the code for day-to-day -day conduct propagated alongside it. That the paradise said to be coming with the Messiah looked much like in the past has contributed to a widespread belief that the ghost dance promised only to return to a pre-modern era. But the religion also offered believers hope in sustaining themselves in this world by engaging the modern industrial gilded age in which they found themselves. The prophet of the religion, a northern Paiute visionary named Wovoka, taught that ghost dancers were obliged not to steal, to tell the truth, to keep the peace with Americans and other Indians, to love one another, and even work for wages or engage in commerce for money. The ghost dance creed was through and through a peaceful one. Since the weeks before the Wounded Knee Massacre, when army officers began to circulate rumors that the ghost dance had been hijacked by hostiles out for blood, generations of scholars have wrestled with the specter of warlike ghost dancers. And yet the evidence remains overwhelming that the new religion preached not armed resistance, but a path toward accepting many government demands while, at the same time, retaining Indian identity and community and resisting assimilation. Beyond that, the ghost dance addressed a pervasive need for new forms of ritual expression in Indian communities. Dancing, a mode of expression that simultaneously allowed Indians to create community with one another and establish communication between the world of the living and the world of the spirits, had deep social and religious meanings and was integral to many religious rites. And this is the last quote I'll take from the book. It says, um, this is about Wovoka. By 1889, he had distilled from his heavenly visits a series of key teachings for bringing about the renewal of the earth that God had promised. His people, he said, must not fight. There must be peace all over the world, and people must not steal from one another, but be good to each other, for they are all brothers. In addition, he conveyed the message to the Indians that they must work all the time and not lie down in idleness. So this is a really tragic story. And um, I mean, there's a lot of kind of like existential questions. Why would God send this message to people knowing that if he's um, 
omniscient, knowing that it was going to lead to this horrible massacre. And there have been a lot of arguments made that um, this massacre was like a real turning point um, in Native American history and that <clears throat> it ushered in a lot of um, just bad things. I won't go super into that. If you want to read about it, um, there's a really excellent book called Heartbeat of Wounded Knee. It's a hopeful book, and it talks about how resilient all the tribes have been, but it's super heartbreaking. Um, it's just the history of how thousands of cultures have been destroyed, and um, people have been decimated. 90% of populations, um, all the horrible treaties that were made and then not the government or whoever the settlers were not keeping their end of the bargain. It's really sad, but, um, the native Americans have been like time and time again, resilient and just tried to, um, make it in the world. So yeah, there's a whole kind of strange idea that like, why would this, religion have been allowed to come forth for such a short period of time. It was like within the span of a year or two. And then completely after the massacre, it just completely died out. But I can only, um, the only thing I can really reason out of that is that I do believe like the message of peace um, working hard and that there's a day of great peace coming that has just been sprinkled through so many people in so many different lands um, and so many different cultures and languages and that there is a Messiah figure. That's the, the central thing. And that message will be continued to be spread in many different ways throughout the world. And then God lets people be agents unto themselves and he does not interfere in our free will. And sometimes that free will has horrible, devastating consequences. Um, but at the same time, he did provide a savior and I have so much hope for <laughs> the afterlife when all of these people who have been destroyed and decimated, that their wounds will be healed a million times over, and that even now that Christ has held them, given them huge hugs, and that their wounds have been healed to a great degree, um, it doesn't excuse those who have perpetrated the crimes against especially Native Americans in the United States. But I think that um, those people have to answer for their, their sins and the horrible things that they've done. Um, but interestingly enough, even Christ wanted everyone to get along. Like, it wasn't... He was never sending the message through all of the writing or the, that, um, that I've read, he never sent the message that so-and-so has done X to you. It's horrible enough. Therefore you can retaliate. It was always a message of 
unequivocal peace, which is really like mind blowing and incredible to me. And I think like he's the only person in the universe who can basically say like, I've already paid for the sins and the blood of every generation. So yeah, for just get along. <laughs> like it'll well work out in the end. <clears throat> because I, I did that. So um, it, I hope this story isn't super troubling. I just wanted to share it because I think it's so beautiful. The promises of the millennium um, that the earth will be restored, that people's ancestors will return to them and <clears throat> that the animals will be restored to many lands and that Christ had a message of getting along with people, even if they've done unspeakable things to you. I mean, it's just, it's really hard for my human brain to wrap around that, but I do believe that he does ask us to be peacemakers in this world. And so, um, that's it for today. Merry Christmas. Love you guys. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Thank you.